alive, God, through his spirit, speaks to us. Not only through his word in the scriptures, but through his spirit in our lives. And part of our worship of him is to come and set ourselves at the feet of Jesus, to listen to his voice in our lives. And as a church, we have been going through a short series that we're calling Ready to Grow and looking at a story of Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 4 where he met a woman at a well. And we've been looking at this story as an example of how we can learn from Jesus, from his example, both the mission of God through him in the world and what our mission is as a church. We've been talking about what it means for us to be ready to grow as a church. And, and as we talk about growth, we don't mean just growing bigger in numbers. We, we mean growing deeper in Christ and further in mission. And as we've been going through this story in the Gospel of John, we've been learning that growing as a church means that we, as the church, need to grow personally. We need to grow in our own spiritual lives. We need to grow in our understanding of God's calling on our life. And as a result of that, the church grows because we cannot help but share the good news of what God is doing in our life. And that becomes an attractive testimony to those around us. Today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to be talking about how going deeper in Christ is, is about pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. But it's also about going further on mission with Jesus. As we wrap up the story today, we're going to see, as we've been anticipating for the last three weeks, actually, that the harvest is now at hand. I want to invite you to turn on your uh, flat screen, uh, whether it's a paper flat screen or a digital flat screen, to John chapter 4. I believe we'll also have it on our big flat screen up here uh, for you. We're going to be reading verses uh, 32 through 39 through 42. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now, a, a quick recap of where we've been, if you haven't been a part of the, the whole series. Jesus, against all reason, has reached out to a Samaritan woman at the well in Samaria, who by all rights he should not be associating with at all as a Jewish single man. And not only has he engaged her in discussion and theological discussion beyond that, but he's also offered her a gift He's offered her the gift of living water for her soul. When his disciples' hesitancy and confusion prevents them from comprehending what's going on between Jesus and this woman and the magnitude of what's happening around them, the woman races off to tell everyone in her community that she thinks that she may have met the long-awaited Messiah. Could this be the one? You've got to come and see this man who told me everything I've ever done. And in the process, the disciples discover that Jesus not only has living water to give, but he has a deeper spiritual food that nourishes the soul that they know nothing about. Somehow, in the doing of the will of his Father, there's a kind of spiritual nourishment that cannot be found in any other way. And just then, as the disciples are trying to put the dots together, the Samaritans in mass re-enter the scene as a result of this woman's testimony, and the harvest 
is at hand. Their faith, the scripture tells us, they believe in him already is based on this woman's testimony. This underscores the importance of of our story, the story that we have to tell in God's work with other people in the world. See, evangelism in the church has become kind of a dirty word. We kind of cringe at the idea of doing evangelism. Like we're going to have to go out and knock on doors and try and convert people to come to the faith. And that it's all about winning souls and getting spiritual notches on our spiritual gun belt. And as as modern, uh, sensitive, gracious Christians, we often cringe at the idea of how do you do that without being offensive, and and turning people off to the very good news that we're trying to share with them. But what we're seeing in this story with Jesus and the woman at the well is that evangelism is really a cooperative effort with the Spirit of God in the world. It starts with the preparatory work that God does, and then we go to meet him where he is already working, and our job is simply to share our own testimony of what God has done in our life. God is responsible for the results. You see, this woman doesn't have a seminary-trained background. She doesn't have all the credentials of having gone to synagogue and the temple since she was three. She doesn't have this testimony that says she was raised as a rabbi's daughter, and now she's going to go out and win the whole world for Jesus. She just met him. And she's, she's so excited by what he has done in her in this short conversation. She can tell because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that there is something different about this man. And if I can only tell my friends and my neighbors what I've experienced with him, maybe, just maybe, we will find out together that he really is who he says she is, who he says he is. And says she's still in the process of understanding her own faith as well. If you really think about this, she hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus when she goes to tell her neighbors. She's witnessing before she has even made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, when the Spirit of God is doing the good newsing and the evangelism, people who are experiencing the presence and power of God in their lives will will talk to people about what God is doing in their heart and in their mind before we even have to convince them to believe in the doctrinal truths and the four spiritual laws or whatever it is that we think people have to believe before they can belong to Jesus. So when the Samaritans came to him, it says in verse 40, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Now, it's interesting that scholars suggest that this word, they asked him to remain, Jesus remained, is a a theme word throughout the Gospel of John. In Greek, the word is meno, to stay, to remain. And it says in in the Gospel of John, it's a sign of discipleship. Where where are we familiar with these words? Think about John 15, right? Where Jesus is talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches. In verse 4, he says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this idea that Jesus, at the invitation and the request of these Samaritan people who are seeking the truth about God, he remains with them. And as a result of his being with them, they believe that he is the Messiah. So Jesus stayed with them. He remained with them. And his words brought even more success to the gospel message that was producing fruit and a harvest in the world. 
Scholars also suggest that it's likely that this groundwork that is going on right now with the woman and these Samaritan villagers contributes to the later efforts that Philip will, will pursue in Acts chapter 8. If you know the story that the, the, the Stephen was stoned and Paul was there approving his, his martyrdom. And after this happened, all of the Christians in Jerusalem were scattered. And they began to go throughout all of the, the Mediterranean world for fear of being killed. And, and Paul began to pursue them house to house looking for Christians that he could kill or imprison. And as a result of being scattered, Philip goes to Samaria. And everywhere they go, it says in chapter 8, they preach the word of God. And hosts of people began to come and become Christians as a result of Philip's preaching in Samaria. You see, the preparatory work of God was already going on here through Jesus. So that even in the difficulties and the the challenges that the church went through in in the book of Acts, we see that God had prepared a harvest for them as a result of just sharing their testimony of that, of who Jesus has been in their life. The story's final statement in verse 42 is an important summary of the fruit of this woman's testimony to her friends and neighbors. 42 says, they, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The first thing that we have to pay attention to here is that these people had a personal experience with Jesus Christ. The Samaritans evidence what every believer must have, a faith that is not secondary or dependent on somebody else's experience or somebody else's testimony, but on a a first-person real experience with Jesus himself. See, they have come and they've seen and they've experienced Jesus personally, and because of that experience, they can affirm that he is who he says he is. In God's mission of love to the world, again, it's not our job to convert people. Our job is to love people and to tell them the story of our experience with Jesus and in so doing them, invite them to come and see for themselves and decide whether or not he is who he says he is. In fact, we know that in reality, we can't convert anybody, can we? Can we have an intellectual argument that can prove that God exists without a shadow of doubt so that people are going to fall on their knees and go, oh yeah, you're right, you proved it to me? No. Can we somehow, based on our own cajoling and manipulation and effort, convince somebody that if they just come to church and show up and do the religious duties that that God's going to be real to them? No. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's only God that can transform the human heart. So we, as a people, are not called to convert people for Jesus, but to share the good news of what he's done in our life. And out of that testimony, out of that story, people begin to see and hear that maybe, just maybe, this man is who he says he is, and they will be inspired to come and see for themselves. There's one more intriguing aspect to the Samaritans' testimony here. They refer to Jesus as the Savior of the world. Now, scholars also say that this is an unusual phrase, and it only occurs in one other place in the New Testament, and that's 1 John 4, 14. But they also point out that it parallels very closely a verse earlier in John chapter 3, verse 17, that says, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
And we know this because we learn in the preceding verse, which we're all familiar with, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God's work in Christ is not limited, we're seeing in this passage, to just the people of Israel. In the same way that it's not limited to just the people of Samaria as well. Early in the gospel story, as we see Jesus stepping out on mission and calling his disciples to follow him, we get a glimpse of the universal mission of God to save the whole world. Jesus' mission is to do the will of his Father, to reach those outside the boundaries of Jerusalem, and to reach all of those who are far from God. God loves you and me. God loves the whole world, even beyond Jewish and Sumerian cultural boundaries and frontiers, beyond the known, beyond the familiar, beyond the safe, beyond the comfortable. God loves the world, beyond gender differences between male and female. God loves the, the world beyond differences of ethnicity and race and the color of our skin. God loves the world beyond the stratifications of economics and class and wealth. God loves the world beyond the boundaries of nations and power and warfare. God loves the whole world. And his son, Jesus, in his son, Jesus, that kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand right now for us in this room. The harvest of Jesus is barely anything that the disciples can even conceive. What about you this morning? What about me? What about us as a church? In the 21st century at Faith Covenant on the corner of Washington and Valley in Sumner, what kind of harvest do we imagine? What kind of movement of God's kingdom do we dare to dream could happen among us and in our community? What cultural barriers and human traditions are we willing to let go of in order to experience the lordship of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit at work in us in fresh, new, and powerful ways? Are we willing to remain in Christ so that he can remain in us? He reminds us that apart from him, we can do nothing. I want to really strongly reiterate that our growth as a church is never about growing bigger for the sake of being big. It's about expanding the kingdom of God in his world and being on mission with Jesus. Because if we are not on mission with Jesus, then we are not personally growing in the way that he wants us to grow. As we step out to do the will of our Father in heaven, as we follow Jesus' example, we discover that God builds into us the character and the traits and the gifts to accomplish that mission. But if we hole up in a church on, on, on Sunday mornings and we don't step out to discover what God's will is and God's call for each one of us, then we hinder the ability of God to continue to grow and develop our character and our gifts and the mission that he has for each one of us personally. And then that hinders our mission collectively as well. 
God is the Alpha and the Omega, the Bible tells us, the beginning and the end. As we talk about church growth and growing our church and expanding our mission, we always begin with the mission of God and who he is. And in the same way, God must always be our end, our purpose, our goal. It's never about us, as Greg shared so eloquently this morning, and how we lead worship. It's not about us. It's all about him. As we look to the life and the example of Jesus, and we seek to follow him, his disciples, as we've seen in the last three to four weeks, as we've looked through the gospel of John chapter four, I want to suggest there are four things that we can take away from this passage that can help keep us focused for the future. Number one is that it's Jesus who reveals God's heart. God's love and compassion for people who are far from God is the starting place for our mission of love in his world. Jesus reveals God's heart, and it's God's heart that he wants to put in us so that we have the same eyes to see and the compassion to love people with his love. The second thing is that Jesus reveals that he is the source of God's spirit. The spirit of God within us is the very gift that Jesus came to make available to all those who would believe. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth, the scripture tells us. And Jesus, who is the truth, is the source of God's spirit and is his gift of living water to you and to me. Number three is that Jesus models obedience to God's will in his life. Learning about God is not the same as doing the will of God. We discover spiritual food and nourishment. We discover and pursue God's will for my life and for your life. And finally, as we are seeing today with the results of the Samaritans who have come to faith in Jesus, Jesus calls us to join in his mission of love to the world. When we discover within us God's heart and and God's will at work in our lives, and, and we feel the power of his spirit giving us what we need to accomplish that mission, we cannot help but go further in mission of God's love to the world as his church in this place. You see, it's in these things that we discover the meaning and the purpose and the value of our lives in Christ, our calling to serve him. And see, as we grow, the church grows because we are the church. Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to grow personally? Are you ready to allow the spirit of God to point out those things that are the obstacles to your faith in this season? Are you ready to to receive the challenge of Jesus to step out and change the things in your life that maybe God wants to change in order to make you more effective for his kingdom? Because what Jesus is telling us is that if we're willing to allow him to be the master and us to be the disciples that there is spiritual water and food that will feed our souls in ways that we never could have imagined. Today is our epic ministry fair between services, and we're giving everyone an opportunity to to go throughout our campus and see all of the things that are going on in our faith community where people are stepping out to serve God in unique and different ways. And we encourage you, don't rush off after the service is over, but go around. They're going to have snacks for you to eat, and there's going to be lots of ways that you can connect with people and ask good questions. Maybe you'll find a place there where you can get involved and serve and begin to grow in new and fresh ways by responding to God's call on your life to serve his kingdom in some way. And that might be serving within the church. It might be serving out in the community. It might be getting involved in missions and going somewhere around the world. That's between you and God. 
But as you'll see today, if you walk through this ministry fair, there's an infinite number of ways that you can get involved and make a difference in expanding the ministries and the mission of Faith Covenant Church. You could get involved in our community Bible experience that is starting next week, where we are inviting people to gather in groups to go back to the basic foundation of of learning and reading God's word. We're going to have a variety of small groups during the week. We're going to have a group here on Sunday morning that Art Spar is going to lead, and, and we're going to be reading through the New Testament in a whole new way. And we're going to be inviting people to understand that the foundation of discipleship starts with with living in God's word and allowing God's word to be implanted in us so that it becomes the seed that gives birth to the fruit of God's righteousness in our lives. There are a variety of ways that you can get on mission with Jesus. And our hope and our desire as a church is that together we learn how to continue to grow as Jesus' disciples so that we too can see the church grow through the ways that God's spirit empowers and leads us. And that's what our next series is gonna be all about. We're calling it Epic, Empowering People and Inspiring Change. And starting next Sunday and going through up to Thanksgiving, we're gonna be looking at how we, as God's church, can grow deeper in Christ ourselves so that we can be equipped and empowered to go further in mission. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will be inspired to step up and get involved. If, you, if you're not sure how to do that, let me know. Talk to anyone on staff. Come and contact, come and contact us. Uh, you know, I always say I love Starbucks, so I'd be happy to go out to coffee. Don't just come to church and leave and not get connected in a way that you feel like you're a part of the amazing things that God is doing in this place. Because I guarantee you, if you get connected and you get involved, you will discover a whole new experience of God for him empowering you and building you into the community of Christ, which is what the church really is, in ways that you'll never get if you don't get off the bench and get in the game. We are called by God to go deeper in Christ and further in mission, and those two things go hand in hand. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the stories in your word that give us intimate glimpses of how we are called to love people in your name. God, I pray this morning that you would give us the courage to hear your word to each one of us and that you would allow us to hear the challenge and the call in your word to allow your spirit to call us forward, to be more than we are today, and that you would allow each of us to come together as a community to understand that we're not in it alone, but that together we are more than we are separately. God, would you empower us through your word, inspire us with your spirit, and would you equip us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and around the world? We ask this in his name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Kurt. This morning, we have an opportunity to...